Welcome to the Yellow Peril Podcast, where we help you navigate the perilous world of Asian American identity through pop culture, sex, politics, and whatever other random stuff is currently distracting us. Welcome back, Yellow Perilers. Greetings to all you Sakais, all you Kiyomuras, all you Satos. I'm Oki, and today we have three very special guests with us uh, to talk about their project, the new graphic novel, 442. Why don't you just go around and introduce yourselves real fast and what you did for the book? I'm uh, Koji Steven Sakai, I'm the co-writer. I'm Finney Kiyomura, and I am the co-writer. Uh, I'm Rob Sato, and I was the illustrator. For those of you that don't know, uh, the 442, the 442nd, is a regiment that was mainly uh, Japanese-American, fought in World War II, uh, one of the most decorated regiments in all of American history, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for its size and duration. For size and duration. And then how did you start, who, who came up with the idea, where did this begin? I guess we can start there. So um, it started with this new company called Stella, and basically they're like a online uh, graphic novel company. So in Asia, um, especially Japan and Korea, there are these companies that send you like a Netflix for graphic novels. And um, they're starting a company here that was basically doing that. So they contacted me to do, um, and I pitched, they wanted me to pitch some stories. So I pitched them a bunch of stories, um, and always whenever I pitch a story, I pitch one Asian American story. Good so this you. one I haven't pitched. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. I, haven't, I haven't pitched. They usually don't take it, by the way. Usually it's like, yeah. well, you even like actually, this one better. Actually, even <laughs> usually I'm like, well, they're like, which one? Like this, these guys were like, which one do you want to get rid of? Or which one do you think is not going to work? I was like, well, probably not the four four two. And then they're like, no, that's the one we like the best. I was like, well, then I like it the best too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I pitched them that, and then um, I knew I needed, I wanted help to write it. So that's when we brought Finney in. Mm-hmm. And then um, ultimately, they were going to hire an artist, and that's when Rob, they hired Rob. But independently, Rob and I knew each other before that. And then the, did you meet him through this project? or you- No, no. He and I knew each other already. Um, I had written a, uh, a TV pilot um, set in an internment camp, um, sort of like a messed up family drama. Um, and I wanted to get it performed somewhere because I, I was trying to just sort of, you know, get it out into the world. Um, and one of the places I reached out to was Janum. Uh, Japanese American National Museum. Right down the um, street here? Uh, yes, right down the street there. And um, so I contacted them, and I don't remember how the whole process went, but eventually I got bumped to Koji, who was, um, you were, like, head of programming? I was vice president at the time, yeah. Oh, vice president, okay. And so um, uh, I just asked, can we do a reading of the pilot at the museum? Um, and he said, yeah. <laughs> and then he said, let's go grab lunch. Um, and I said, okay. So then we, we, we you know, we had lunch. Um, uh, sort of near the museum, um, and when we were talking, he said, yeah, we can do this. We can probably do this pretty soon. We were sort of talking dates and sort of the process, and I talked about who I had already um, sort of grabbed to be involved. Chris Tashima was going to direct it, and he did direct it. Um, and, uh, uh, and then he said, like, um, so would you, would you want to maybe write something together? And I was like, yeah. I had no idea he was a writer at the time, um, and he's a great writer. Um, and uh, so immediately he started, we started talking about 442. And uh, the Battle of the Lost Battalion, and so we started talking about that as a screenplay, which is why, like, that was kind of already part of our collaboration. Mm-hmm. When I think by that, we were already doing that when you talked to Stella the first time, or were you already talking? I, to it was around that time. I think. So it was, it was all they were around the, around the same time. And like, I was on vacation in uh, Miami, um, and I had a cold because I get a cold every time I go to Miami <laughs> to visit my in-laws. Weird. I don't know why. It's just a plane. I don't, every every single time. So um, I was there, and I had a cold, and he called me, and he was like, "Hey, what do you think about uh, me pitching this thing to um, the uh, to the four four two to this this um, company that does these online graphic novels?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." He's like, "It probably won't happen." And I was like, "Okay." 
Um, and then, uh, like, we, we talked again, like, a week or two later, and he was like, they want to do it. <laughs> we were like, I was like, okay. Right. And I'd never written a graphic novel before, and you had never written a comic before either at no. the time. So we were like, we're going to learn how to do this. And then, Rob, you found them through... The, the company hired The company, the company hired, hired Rob, yeah. yeah. Okay. The editor of the comic reached out to Eric Nakamura of Giant Robot yeah. and cool. asked him, like, do you know anybody who would be good for this project? And, yeah, Ryan, I mean, Eric knew that uh, my grandfather had served in the 442, and he was like, oh, this is the right drawing style. Like, somebody who's going to draw characters that look like Hello Kitty, this isn't the right person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. So he knew. And you have a personal connection to it, right. really. It's like, yeah, yeah. like he knows, he knows that uh, I'm kind of steeped in the story already. Although it would have been cool if it was Hello Kitty 442. Yeah. Well, that would have been awesome. That probably would have been made. I saw that. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually working with them to do Go For Broke 442. It said 442 manga, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of it. <laughs> I saw but, one page of it. I'm like, I think this one's better. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful artwork. Beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful. Beautifully illustrated. Yeah. And I feel like we've all, what's interesting with this table right now is we're all Japanese- American, so we have all been touched by the experiences of our uh, parents, grandparents, yeah. relatives. Um, is that what made you so interested in this? Or relatives, like, have they talked about this to you before? Or so I've my wife jokes that I'm professionally Japanese American because I've spent <laughs> I spent my life working within the Japanese American community. I mean, I was at the Janum for 13 years. I'm still there now. I worked for I worked for a while for Go for Broke. National Education Center, so I've worked a long time at the museum or at um, Japanese American things. But my uh, grandfather was in camp, my father was in camp, and I have a tattoo of of my of my uh, dad's number. So I mean, it's it's very much important to kind of the story. And uh, even though I, no one in my family, my immediate family, was in the 442, a lot of what the 442 did is is uh, allows them to still be in this country or, or be seen as loyal. So that's why it was really important to me. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the 442 specifically was not something that we, we talked a lot, a lot about around my house because my dad was two when he was in the camp. So, like, age-wise, the, the family was never quite the right age to go and, like, serve. Um, but obviously it mattered a lot. Um, and when I was developing um, my pilot, um, I read a lot of different books. And one of the ones that I was really fascinated by was um, John Okada's book, um, No, No Boy. Um, which is obviously the other side of this sort of story. But so, uh, you know, by extension, I was learning about both more deeply. Can you explain No No Boy for yeah. people that sure. might not know? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, a No No Boy, uh, well, actually, you're better explaining like, specifically the <laughs> which, No which No you, Boy. Which you touch upon in the book. We do touch upon in the book. Yeah, yeah. So, um, by the way, that's one of the best, most important Japanese American novels, I think, um, yeah. in Japanese American kind of literature. But it basically, um, there was this loyalty questionnaire during around 1942, 43. Where they needed to uh, figure out who the quote good Japanese Americans and quote bad Japanese Americans were. Oh shoot, sorry. And um, so they had two questionnaires on the loyalty questionnaire. Twenty-seven, twenty-eight were. Or sorry, they had a lot of questions, but the two most important questions were twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Right. And twenty-seven basically said, "Are you willing to fight in the armed services if you're a boy and girl? Are you willing to help in the war effort?" And twenty-eight was, um, "Are you willing to disavow your allegiance to the Japanese emperor and um, and or any other foreign power and pledge your allegiance to the United States government?" Mm -hmm. So if you said yes, yes, you went to go fight in the war if you were draftable age. If you said no, no, you went to jail. Typically, mm -hmm. um, the only problem with the book though is that it's mistitled. Technically, he's a draft resistor, not a no, no. Um, oh. Right? Because, oh. <laughs> but because he didn't write no on those questionnaires. 
Well, technically, what he got to jail for was resisting. Right, right, right. Not right. for the no, no. I see. Yes, yes, so, yes, yes. But yes, anyway, yes. it's a really important question. Um, ultimately, the uh, the community is still fighting over this. I don't know if you guys know that, but people are still fighting yeah. over this. You know, um, those that said yes, yes, when they look at those who say no, they say like, how could you say no to this country? Right. You know, like it kind of like belittles their sacrifice. And for those who say no, no, when they look at those that said yes, they say how can you how can you fight for this country that did this? We're actually more loyal by being willing right. to go to jail or ruin yeah. our lives. And so yeah. you know. Um, my my grandfather was a no no, and uh, I've been called the uh, chicken shit. Oh, sorry. Can I? <laughs> you can say whatever the fuck you want on this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Like, yeah, you know, I should have told you that before. Say but, whatever you want. <laughs> but people people still talk about that, and I, you know, and I think um, it was Senator Daniel Inouye who really like I, to me he's most respect one of the most respected Japanese Americans, obviously, and he he said uh, that you know both sides were equally loyal and equally brave in a lot of ways. The those said yes yes when they fought in the war they're going to die you know most likely they're going to yeah. die because there's yeah. so many people died and those said no no they had a whole community that hated them the whole country that hated them yeah. Yeah. and so in a lot of ways they were you know they were both fighting for the same thing just yeah. both exercising sides. their americanness you know right yeah. right and both caught up in the same like sweep of history yeah. I mean, the thing that was so interesting to me about the book was just that um uh i mean it's a great book it's yeah. just really well written um but but um i'm a playwright originally and the thing that interests me about uh, drama and working in it is the is the conflict between people, um, and so many uh, uh, camp stories are about you know uh, a certain level of triumph or good people beset by the by the fates you know what I mean by history and that's not as easy for me to access as a writer actually. Um, what I want to talk about is people whose internal things are part of the the dynamic of the story. Um, and Notaboy was a version of that. You know what I mean? Like, like his mother is such a crazy, insane character, but so rich and so interesting. And, and the uh, irony about him was that he was a veteran. Yeah, he is a veteran. He yeah, yeah. Veteran. John Okada was a veteran. Yeah. Um, but he wrote about a guy that he met when he came back. Like, who was well, a, Was he in? I think it's a composite. It is yeah. a composite, but there was one specific guy that he like yeah. he he had a relationship with. I think that kind of gave him a lot of, I don't know, impetus to write yeah. that book, right? Um, uh, and, and, and so it's interesting that he, he as a veteran writing this story with such like empathy, you know, um, and these characters who have like such conflict between them in their community. And I was like, okay, that I can write. It really was almost like I wanted to write an internment camp story or a story about that world or, um, or a story about that time for so long. Um, but I didn't have a way in because I was like, I, I write about bad people that do bad things. You know, it's like, that's, that's my MTA. So, so I was like, how do I find that? And I realized, oh, it's a family that kind of hates itself. Um, is divided already, and then the camp smushes them back together in a way that they don't want to be smushed together. Like we don't want to see each other right now, right. and so and so like that was like what I was kind of pl- uh, toying with. My grandfather's experience or, or their family experience with the no no yes yes no no question was like I think they decided they decided as a family group, and I think it was their church group all came together and they. My grandfather was all in, you know, like wow. from the beginning. He wanted to he wanted to do it, but everybody else was like very troubled. Or most people are like yeah, it's very conflicting. So they decided as a group to answer yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think their reverend, uh, who he went around and tried to encourage other people to do it, and he ended up getting beat up in camp. Why? Uh, I can't. I can't for, remember. Yes, encouraging yes, 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 or no. He was encouraging people to say yes, and oh, he got uh-huh. beat up by no, no people. Right. Oh. Uh, and I huh. think. Uh, maybe won his release from camp through that. I'm not, I'm not totally oh, wow. sure about that, but. Which camp was he in? He was in Jerome. Jerome, okay. Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, my grandfather did, you know, like, he answered yes, yes. And then his 
mother said like you can't you did answer yes yes but i like i would ask you not to volunteer you have to wait for the draft she's like if you volunteer and you get killed it's going to break my heart mm. um but if you get drafted then that's in some ways like a step towards it's just fate is happening right so, so he um, didn't go in the initial so he wasn't in the last battalion rescue because of like, because he didn't volunteer he was a replacement got it got drafted after yeah and my yeah. and my grandfather he worked for the japanese consulate in honolulu oh. he was nisei so second generation so he was uh not uh he was never going to be released even if he said yes yes ultimately but he according to his uh court files he believed that he was going to be sent back to japan no matter what and he thought the best thing to do would be to express loyalty to Japan as soon as possible and get the hell out. He thought the quicker <laughs> oh, he got, okay. gets back to Japan, the better it would be for him and his family. Right. And so, but he, he was 40, by the time he was 40 years old, he was, you know, he was not going to go fight. He has kids. So yeah. he said no, no. He said, or, yeah, he said no, no. Cause, and then he got sent to Thule. But ultimately, that was like his rationale was that he's, he's going to be sent out. And then what happened? He, um, they, he asked, they kept he, him. No, he asked to be, uh, to, he um, uh, gave up his citizenship. And then uh, ultimately, he was sent to uh, Crystal. They were sent to Crystal City, Texas. And when they were sending all the Japanese Americans, he wasn't on that first boat. And then when they stopped doing that, um, the government still wanted to send our family out. For I have a lot of the documents saying that, like we're okay not sending to everyone else, but this family we definitely want them out. And they were they were in Hawaii. Yeah. So there's three thousand Japanese Americans from Hawaii that were taken. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Most people don't realize that. Yeah, I didn't. I, like I always wondered. Leaders Community leaders, people with yeah. questionable loyalty. Yeah. I mean, there was an ABC list before uh, Pearl Harbor, and anyone on that list was taken. Yeah. That was no like an FBI sweep, well, initial sweep. Yeah. How long ago did you guys start? How long did this whole book take? I mean, and then mm. what was the process writing? And then were, were you part of the writing process a little? Because you had some someone that was kind of... Not yeah. obviously it wasn't part of this right. particular story. story, and of course there's a lot that's fictionalized in terms of mm -hmm. the personal stories. I think, but yeah. based on a lot of stories you've heard, yeah, um, or like how many interviews were there? A lot of interview processes that you were doing, or well, we we did a lot of research. Finny yeah. and I did a lot of research yeah. and watching videos on like Den Show or yeah, uh, other websites. <laughs> Just yeah. with the what show? Den Show, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Den website. Show Encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Okay. They yeah. do. They have a bunch of interviews with yeah. veterans. Amazing and, website. Yeah. yeah, and we they did. Have, uh, they have them uh, typed out, but they also have a lot of video interviews, and they're amazing to watch. Very cool. Yeah, and then also just my interactions with veterans and, and Japanese Americans, just kind of being able to put it kind of in, in some kind of sequence that makes yeah. sense for us. Yeah, with Koji being a professional Jap Japanese American. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife says it disparaging. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're like a badge. Come on. Yeah. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 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 like, you know, I did definitely do a lot of research, um, but I did lean on Koji a lot um, uh, in, in that way, I think. Um, but as far as, like, developing the broad outline, once we knew it was about the Lost Battalion, then we kind of knew the sort of a general shape. And it was just like fitting people in. And, and I think pretty early on you were like, I think it's better if we amalgam or create our own person rather than dealing with rights issues uh, for individual like life rights issues. Because I just think it's very complicated. Absolutely. Um, and touchy, you know. Um, and, uh, uh, and it was a benefit for me because then I was like, well, I get to talk about like this guy's personal issues. And I don't want to mess with somebody's real life in that way. Um, and so that was the access point, like for the story for me, it was like, well, what's Hero doing? What's what's like what's what's his emotional journey? Um, and we talked a lot about that. We talked about that with uh, with uh, Stella or Stella as well. 
um, and they had like a lot of thoughts about what we should be doing. Um, and then as far as Rob, Rob didn't write, but like by the time he got the stuff that we had written, he was like, I can't do all these things in this frame. <laughs> 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 I'm going to do this instead. So, it, it, you know, it's like a de facto uh, next layer of writing or editing or I don't know how you would say it exactly. It's um, kind of more like just staging. Co- yeah. Co-creator. Like you're the director right. in a way yeah. of the movie. Cinematographer. Yeah, like yeah. The cinematographer yeah. and the director yeah. and stuff. Very cool. Was this your first graphic novel that you fully illustrated or you've done? Uh, I've done a few before. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is the first one that I've done that somebody else wrote. Right. Yeah. Oh. And he actually did it by hand. So that's right, a, yeah, this, it's all hand painted. Right, watercolor. Yeah, which is nuts. Don't <laughs> how, many, how many did you do? How many, uh, like, how many? Like pick, or I think paintings. it's over. It's somewhere between six hundred and seven hundred uh, individual paintings. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Holy! They're so cool. God. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean you can see it's it's well worth it and it's beautiful yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, how much research did you have? To, I mean, most of it is not super detailed, I would say. Yeah. Um, but obviously, where were you pulling? You were pulling references from. All over. Yeah, I, I did actually do a lot of research. Like, I don't know. I complained about it. I think a lot in, the, in past interviews. Where we, uh, just I was trying to be so accurate with like you know vehicles and like the way right like, <laughs> like uniforms, weapons, that one yeah. plane, right? Yeah, there's like there's a scene where the, the these planes do a um, supply drop mm-hmm. to the Americans and ends up in the German hands. But and you know it's a real incident, so I was looking for the real planes and I just could not find it. Anywhere, huh. like what in in military records are so um, complete in a way. Like there's so like you can find the most specific information. I just could not find this, and I knew also like military nerds are some of the worst. Right. <laughs> like, I, f- I feel like before we started, we've heard some critics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, but, but also, I mean, to be fair, Lost Battalion is also four days. It's in a forest that's dark. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of things happening they're really just trying to so they're trying to rescue somebody and yeah. they're going through a really dark forest and there's not that much change so I mean part of the the writing challenge was like okay now they're in a field now right. they're in the forest now they're on a cliff like it's daytime most yeah, it's of the time daytime. so we can see them so right to, yeah, yeah. So there was, it was really rough to find I mean the photos that are all from that part are like they're either not of course they're not in combat or it's so dense and dark that it's like it would be difficult to tell the story graphically like just uh-huh. building those scenes was so tough it's like there's so much foliage. There's, it's in, you know, like it's in the dark. Should we say what the battle's about? Yeah, absolutely. We should talk about uh, the story more. Without, I mean, I guess it's like Titanic. We're not giving anything away. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, These I mean, that's occurred. that's the best part about this to me is the the stories you tell about the people going through it. Of course, so that's mm-hmm. still certainly something worth reading this for. Yeah. And if you don't know the story already. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was uh, 275 Texans um, surrounded by. Uh, they got surrounded. They ended up surrounded by um, the Nazis, Germans, and um, in the process of kind of uh, this, this situation, Roosevelt realized he doesn't want a second Alamo. Hitler doesn't. He needs a big victory. So toward the end of the war, so they sent people to try to rescue him, and then they were just getting slaughtered. So eventually, they sent the Japanese Americans to try to go rescue them, even though they're supposed to be off. Um, but they were sent in, and at first they were, they weren't told why they were going, but they were just going, and eventually they kind of figured out what, or they were told why they were doing what they were doing. And over the course of these four days, they uh, they rescued 225 of the men. That's who left, were left. Uh, but in the process, 800 Japanese Americans were injured or killed. 
or missing an action um, in order to save these guys. And so it's, it's one of the most important, or it's one of the, the biggest, most, it's not a most important battle, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a very important battle to a lot of people. It's top 10 battles of World War II. It's considered one of the top 10 battles, I should say. And it was in the, the Vosges. Yes, uh, northern France. Yeah, yeah, right. The mountains. October 20, 1945. Yeah. Yeah, it's right towards the end. It's a very tough region to move around in. Um, 1944. 44. Yeah, 45, <laughs> that's already over. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so t- it's a tough region to move around in. So the, the, the fact that, like, the... Um, uh, what was the what was the number of the battalion that got the the lost battalion? Do you remember it was a one hundred forty first. Hundred forty first. They when they when they got separated, they sort of um, uh, the general Dahlquist um, at the time was kind of pushing them to move forward, move forward, move forward, um, and they just got separated. Um, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's arguable that's carelessness on his part. Um, is that right? I don't know. I mean. They would it, say so, yeah. 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 He's, a, <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's had a reputation for being cavalier with people's lives. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was uh, and he was leading from behind, too. So right. He, yeah. he wasn't aware of what was going on necessarily. All exactly. Time. And he kept saying, like, no, no, there's no, no Germans there. Right. Like, yeah. we talked a lot about, like, how many times are they going to say in, the, in, in, the, in, this, in this book, like, no, there's no Germans. We're fine. And then there's Germans everywhere. Um, and, you know, that's like a, an essential, like, there's a couple of beats of that in the book because that happened because they kept getting, you know, ambushed because he was like, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. You know, you're like, you're not fine. <laughs> like, you're not, you don't know what's happening. He listened to no advisors. Right. And he, he was white. Just yes. There, there was yeah. no Japanese-American, like, leadership. No officer. Yeah. I think yeah, no. lieutenant was the highest you could go. You could go. Mm. Originally, at 442, there were all, or 100 442, there were usually, the officers were white in the beginning, and then they started getting killed. Mm-hmm. Oh, not killed, but they were killed off, and then they started promoting Japanese Amer- some Japanese-Americans yeah. into positions of leadership. So by then, would they have had uh, Japanese-American officers? I think lieutenant was probably lieutenant. the highest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did hear, or I read somewhere, that the 442 is a particularly excellent unit because of, because of that, in a way. Like, that nobody would be promoted up or moved out to a different area. Like, it was a really concentrated talent pool. Mm. It's like, normally, somebody who would be, like, moved to a different unit to, like, lead a different unit they weren't leaving because so they're Japanese American. Because they're Japanese American, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, like, they're 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 staying, staying, we'll keep well, you together. They, yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, and you keep doing the same thing over and over. You get better yeah. and better at yeah. it in yeah. a weird way. Yeah, the other repetition somehow was very high. Well, because of the you know, like the there, there's, a, there's an extra right. push to be excellent. You know? hmm. mm-hmm. Right, right. To show, to prove something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know why this book is important now. Do you want to talk about why, especially now? I mean, Rob, I think does a good job yeah. talking about this. <laughs> All right. Throw it to Rob. <laughs> Throw it to Rob. Um, I mean, it, I guess for the the story of the four four two is definitely it's super important. And but it's like you know internment that story, and mm-hmm. how you know the dehumanization of you know a minority group over time can turn into this kind of disaster. You know, the four four two is the story about. You know, people kind of enduring and getting past the disaster, the the tragedy of internment. But like, uh, if you think about, you know, internment didn't start at Pearl Harbor, that it started in you know like the late nineteenth century, uh, with the dehumanization of, you know, Japanese Americans with Chinese immigrants, and that immigrant group. Those L- immigrant literally, groups the name of this podcast. Oh yeah, the yellow well, it started with the yellow power. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, and. As those as that goes on, like they're systematically being stripped of their rights, you know. Like my great grandparents were never were n- 
stripped of the right of being even citizens ever, you know, like by the 1924 Immigration Act. If anybody knows what that is, thrilling facts from history. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) I mean, that's why my great grandparents went back to Japan. You know, because they couldn't own the land. They bought they yeah. bought they bought a farm in Torrance. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, they bought it under their kids' names. Um, and then when their kids got older, they they were like, "Well, we've made enough money, and we're not really citizens. We're going back to Japan." Yeah. Um, you can't vote. You can't. You don't have any say in your. You're own not. Yeah. Future. You're 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 sort of on this weird island between places because you're not really a member of this country, and then you're not in Japan being Japanese either so you're sort of like a you're a stateless person in a way um, and that's a very dangerous place to be in and that's what we're obviously you know dealing yeah. with with the uh, you know all, all, all the migrant stuff mm-hmm. um, and the Trump administration's just horrible beliefs and rhetoric um, and you know they're going to create or they are creating stateless people yeah. and stateless people are really incredibly vulnerable to um, just the worst things in the world and in this case, it's like it. Obviously, we all know it, but I mean, it led to like a bunch of families being stuck in a prison, in like dirty, dusty places for no reason right. yeah. at all. And for me, when I when I talk about the internment or incarceration of Japanese Americans, what I always think about is that you know this is a long time ago, seventy five years ish, but um, it happened to it happened to a group of people, and we got to make sure it keeps it doesn't happen again to another person. Yeah. So yeah. I always you know I always tell my son who's seven years old, I always tell him that. You know, it's not going to happen to Japanese Americans again because yeah. a there's not a lot of us, but yeah. b you know like we're we're you know Japan and the United States are allies at this point, but that doesn't mean it can't happen to another person tomorrow, another group of people, and, yeah. and today it could yeah. be yeah. like we hate Muslim or Arab Americans right. or right. the parallels are yeah, but clear. you know but but it, and it could be anybody and it doesn't matter who it is that we have that we that we have a legacy that that's that's what this book yeah. is about to me is a legacy to make sure that the story doesn't die and that we don't repeat the same mistakes over and over and over yeah you know because uh, when when um. When Pearl Harbor happened, there was no community, there was no group that supported Japanese Americans. I mean, the only one was the um, the Quakers were the only national uh-huh. group that supported us. Mm-hmm. And after 9-11, that wasn't true. I mean, every Japanese American group was like, let's not let this happen again. And other, there were other groups as well. But we, we needed to make sure that that yeah. wasn't the case, that we stood out and said, not every Muslim and Arab American is bad or terrorist, right? Yeah. And that they shouldn't all be locked up. They shouldn't lose their homes like, like our families did. You yeah. know? And, I think, and, they don't have to, and they don't have to prove their loyalty by fighting for this country and dying for this country. Right, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. I think that's what's... You just really don't right. want... Yeah, people go into prison. Well, and also, no yeah, you don't, you don't want reason. kids going to prison for, yeah. for nothing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and, and, and too late. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And that's exactly what's happening. And you know? terrible things happen in those prisons. And terrible things happen yeah. in those prisons. And, I, and one of the things that happens in the, like, when you go to prison like that, I think, or at least like in my family's case, is that you lose a certain part of your history and your culture. You know, like when, when my uh, dad left the camps with, you know, his... His father, like my grandpa, they went to Chicago for a little while, and then they came back to L.A. a little after that. Um, and my dad spoke Japanese. Um, you know, he could, he could talk to his grandparents, the ones that were still here, um, uh, and he could understand them. But my grandfather said, don't speak it anymore. Yeah. You know. That was my father when he was growing up. He was like, I'm going to be as American, American and yeah. not learn any Japanese. Exactly. Yeah. So you lose something. You know what I mean? You lose something kind of vital about your personhood, I think. Um, and I remember saying, like, to my dad, like, oh, I want to learn Japanese when I was a kid. He was like, you don't want to go to school on Saturday. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't want to go to school on Saturday. And I was, he was kind of right. But at the same time, I was asking. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that part of that was like, he was like, no, our deal is we don't do that. Mm-hmm. We just be as American as possible. 
yeah. which starts to be nothing. The, the best analogy, <laughs> the best analogy for the Japanese American community was that the community was like rape victims. So we were after world, you know, after World War II, we blamed ourselves like rape victims. Sometimes blame themselves. I shouldn't dress that way. I shouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. Well, it's not their fault, but yeah. the, they start to internalize that blame. So that's what the community did for a really long time. We didn't yeah. talk about it. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We didn't research. We didn't write books. We didn't do anything. It's rough. And then right, um, it's just like a rape victim when the rapist gets convicted. It's like this kind of this burden is is over, and that's just like the when. Um, when we got the twenty thousand dollars in official policy reparations, all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's not our fault. And you know, but one of the things that happened in the community is we stopped celebrating Japanese things, we stopped speaking Japanese, we stopped hanging out with other Japanese people, and it became like we're trying to prove our Americanness. It it kept going, and and now what you're but you're what you're finding with the onsei fourth generation and gosei is you're finding more and more. Um, Japanese Americans who want to speak, learn Japanese, yeah. go to Jet in Japan. Yeah. You know, you're finding a lot more of that. But Sensei yeah. are definitely like, no, we're good. Yeah, we're exactly, good. exactly. No, they're like, we don't like, want to. Like, my dad's never been to Japan. He's like, I have no interest in going to Japan. Yeah, my really, my grandfather's never been to Japan. Yeah, really. Yeah, my dad's and like, also, I don't want to go there. That same reverend that got beat up in the camps. Like, I found a copy of his final sermon. Wow. In really in Fresno. So he was the, uh, the Fresno Japanese American Methodist Church, and I found a copy of it online. And it, it's fucking infuriating. Like, <laughs> sorry. No. He, he, um, his sermon is like, it's all about blaming themselves. It's like, we have failed. Wow. Like, we need to be, we need to willfully go into camp. And we have um, failed to be as American as we should be. We have failed to welcome the Caucasians into our culture. And he's like, I want to beat him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's definitely, you know? yeah. Well, that's but, like the JCL, right? Yeah. Right. And, and so, that, you know, you could see this happening to, like, you know, people that are coming here from Honduras or whatever. You know what I mean? They're like, they're like I don't want to be in a fucking prison. So, like, I'm going to put my MAGA hat on. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm going to, you know, y'all with the best of them. And it's yeah. like, it's like you know, th- there's nothing wrong with either culture. It's just, like, you shouldn't have to edit one part of it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't give up on part of you yeah that's scary <laughs> yeah. that that sermon's scary as well, well. there's yeah. also the japanese i can't believe it yeah well and there's also the japanese american creed have you guys read that no it's the JC, i don't know that um jcl wrote that um right before and that he basically that like was the same thing like we have to prove our loyalty and the best way to prove our loyalty was by going to camp yeah and it's like well you know like you're as an organization you should have been the one that's like this is not right this right. is wrong yeah, right but, but their their rationale is similar in that yeah like Oh, if you want us to go to camp, we'll we'll be low Americans. Well, and we'll go fight. And yeah. So then you go to camp, and then after you're in camp, they're like, mm, "Will you go fight?" And you're like, "Yeah, we'll go fight because that will prove it." I mean, and it yeah. did. But the story about Daniel, <laughs> but Senator, like, it's remember so the story about up. Senator Inouye with the uh, haircut, the haircut one. No, which is the hair? I don't know the haircut. Oh, one? you don't. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know the one. I mean, it's a really famous story. So he um, he comes back from the war. He's a Medal of Honor winner. I mean, not at the time, but he's he's a decorated officer. He lost his arm even in the war. He goes to get his haircut, and they say don't they don't cut Jap hair. Um, and so like it just you know I think a lot of the the guys that fought thought that they were gonna they're proving their loyalty, but what ended up happening was that there's when they came back they're still Japanese. You know, and I think that, that that's the that's the tragedy that that they thought they were fighting and proving something, but in reality, a lot of times they they were being treated like they're Japanese Americans. But to be fair, though, the the four four two story is is one of the reasons why reparations happened. Wow. Um, I mean, a lot like it's easiest like one of the easiest things you could say is that well, they were willing to fight and die for this country. 
Yeah. You know, naturalization laws changed partly because of the 442 as well. Like, I mean, how do you keep citizenship away from these parents that gave the ultimate sacrifice, which was their children? Yeah. And so that's why it's in 1952, I think. Yeah. They um, they changed the rules, and part of it was, I mean, you can't say it's all 442 or not, but I think right, part right, of it was right. the veterans and the right. people of color who fought during the war. Yeah. I mean, it's not as if the community wouldn't have gone to war, you know what I mean, without the camps. Right, yeah, they would have like, gone, gone anyway. Yeah, like, they would have gone anyway. Super because the thing is, that, like, it's, you still would have had the same. Well, like Hawaiian Japanese. Uh, well, <laughs> they, they all went. They all especially went. the Hawaiian yeah. Japanese. They yeah. wanted to prove something. It wasn't yeah. even in, in a U.S. state yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, huh. they were part of the hundredth. By the way, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And then they were became part of the four forty second. They were merged. They merged. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they would like to. They would like the. <laughs> they became. I mean, that's a very separate group of people. Right. Very separate experience. I mean, one hundredth were the badasses. Oh, they were okay. the ones that came before four four two. They were the. They were already proving themselves. They were like kicking ass on the field. Yeah. It's and like then, Daniel Inouye fought from North Africa to Italy. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. They were like they were t- they were doing a lot of kill. I mean, one of the reasons four four two was formed was because they thought because of the, what the one hundredth were doing, right? Yeah. I mean, that was a lot of. Uh, why, why did you decide to tell this story versus the 100th, do you think? Just because this one has more to do with the Japanese-Americans already in the camps? Yeah, I think there is something more compelling about people going to die for the country while their families are still in prison. Right. I think, well, not. I was more compelling. Yeah, you know, it, it, it is hard. it's hard. It, it, yeah. it was something that like, we definitely talked about. I mean, part of it was that this story happened when it did in the war, and it was they were the 442 by then. Right. Um, So that's just historical fact. It was uh, useful. And that's just was the facts on the ground. But I do think as far as like choosing our lead character, being somebody who's in a camp and leaves a camp to go to fight. uh, It was the dynamic of that. That's really strong to say, like, uh, I'm going to leave this jail to go and fight for my jailer. Um, And and what we were working on with Hero, the lead character, was his emotional journey on that on that ride to go from like I'm just gonna go and fight because I'm a hero to realizing like what is this all about like it seems a little messed up you know and that is I think the journey of the book you know what I mean it's him kind of awakening to that um, while also still fighting you know what I mean he's still there doing it um, but he's having those kind of revelations along the journey um, which is sort of like you know waking up to the realization that it's just crazy uh, you know, I mean, like, like if you just said I went to jail and went and fought, you know, uh, for the people that put me in jail, that sounds nuts. But that was a reality, um, and a lot of guys were ready to go and fight, like you, you were saying, like you, you know, with your grandfather, yeah. like he was it's just like ready no to question. go and do it, you know. Um, and they could have also just been doing their jobs half-assed, but they did something super badass as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's next is, I mean, obviously, I, reading it, I'm like, this is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's listening out there, I, I think there's there's been like a ton of projects. People are trying to make projects for a long time um, about this story, yeah, especially. And then we're yeah. trying to make uh, we've been trying to make a project in terms of uh, setting it up at a place, and the the challenge is just that it's it's World War Two. It's really expensive, right? Um, and it's period. Mm-hmm. So those are all kind of things that are out there. But there are like a lot of projects out there that, are, and it, we're all trying to get it all made. So it's yeah. you know I was telling an executive that. This is the most important story to Asian, for Asian Americans because we're heroes. You don't have to recreate heroes; we actually have heroes. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that 
you know, and I think people see that. I think the challenge is just being able to do it mm-hmm. and getting it and actually getting it off the ground. Yeah. So, so we're trying to actually make it a TV series. Oh, cool. Um, as a, like a limited, like TV a band series. of brothers. Yeah. 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 That's what I was thinking. Perfect. It's funny to me. Yeah. There's so many producers out there like are constantly making war films. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Bay, Steven Spielberg is like, but they won't like, but now, especially because of yeah. crazy rich Asians, people have, they've proven, especially on TV. But this is still really expensive. So you think it's budget? That's, I mean, I right. think a lot of it has to do with budget. Sure. I mean, and, and it's just really challenging mm-hmm. to come up with this. I mean, I, I've pretty much abandoned the movie idea at this point, mm-hmm. um, only because it's just, you know, I was... I, I was, haven't abandoned the you movie You gotta go idea. for broke. Sorry, There are a lot of, there are a lot of, at major studios, there are a lot of World War II movies that are in the works there and they've just, they've run into a lot of problems. I mean, they can't finance it. They yeah. can't get distribution on it. Um, and those are movies that don't involve Japanese Americans. And so, you know, like, if, yeah. <laughs> and if, if, if they're if those, and with big stars, like big bankable stars. And if those are movies aren't doing it, aren't going to, aren't getting greenlit at this point, the challenge of, of having an Asian American one is even going to be even more challenging. So, and I think we're in a renaissance with TV. And yes, think, that's and, true. And with you know, and with a limited series, we're able to kind of delve deeper into stories, get more into camp stuff. I mean, uh-huh. you know, executives I think get that they yeah. want to hear like because yeah. in a movie we really we can only touch upon camp, right? But yeah. in a series we could, could be really epic. like we could have a whole right. like right. Right. couple right. episodes of about camp that just don't even have war in it, mm-hmm. and yeah. it could be really interesting. I mean, and, and I'm from like I've worked in TV, so like that's that's like that's my professional world. So it's like I'm a little more familiar with it anyway. Not that I, not that like I've never written a screenplay or anything like that, but like that's already sort of you know something I do, um, and something Koji does as well. That's what I felt like was missing to me was, well, I would just wanted more. <laughs> I'll say that uh, backstory and everything, but yeah, I think a series that's so cool that you can. And there are Asian American, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with with famous Asian American directors and writers, and we've debated about what to tell. Oh, you know, which, which stories to tell, how do you tell it, what's the best way, you know, and it, it really just, everyone has a different perspective, but right. the number one thing is it's going to be a really expensive movie, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Ken Watanabe show. was trying to do it for a really long time, yeah. and uh-huh. other people have been trying to do it for a really long time, I mean, there was a 1951 Go For Broke movie, that was actually pretty good, it was okay, Fan Johnson was the lead, Okay, I mean, I mean, they had actual 442 had actual veterans, and oh, wow. yeah, I mean, the, one of the best things about that movie, within the first, like, five, ten minutes, um, one of the commanders is like, oh, those are, you know, this is not Japanese, these are Japanese-Americans. And he was making a distinction between those two groups. In 1951, that's, like, revolutionary because yeah. people <laughs> nowadays don't make that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think that, that was a really, I mean, it, there's a lot of flaws in that movie, but but that was, like, you know, I mean, it, yeah, it is what parts it is. That are upsetting. Yeah, just that, that part made me feel like. There's a, part, there's a few parts that are pretty upsetting. But. Yeah, it is, it is. But, but it's 1951. It's 1951. Yeah. At least they said that one like line. They yeah. make the same mistakes today, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But it's a free. My movie. grandma made those mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the movie on YouTube. It's free. Oh, cool, yeah. perfect. Was there anything you had to uh, cut out? Was there more? Was it, or was it like we finally tuned it? Here you go. Or was there like uh, <laughs> he's like, no, I drew all the stuff and we cut it. Oh, we could have put. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah we, we could have put a lot more. I mean, we we, we had m- more or some different elements in the book, um, and then the the the, the execs at uh, Stella were like, mm, less that, more this. Okay. You know what I mean? Less this tone, more that tone. But that's just the development process, I think. I mean, we we knew we, it was we were writing like 
like in the tone of like a war comic book, like those kind of classic war comic books from I think the fifties, really. You know what I mean? It was the guys who had come back from the war that were that were veterans themselves that were making those books. Like that's all. That's a whole like like you know style of graphic novel or really they wouldn't call it. They would call it comics. You know what I mean? It's a whole style of comic. And so we were in. We wanted to be in that tradition. And I think the part one of the big things about the tradition is that there's always shooting and bombs and war. Like you know, war is about war. And so, and so, we, so like as much as we wanted to spend time in the camp, um, it, it's a little bit like tonally different than what those things were, mm-hmm. and kind of I think what, what we were intending, what we were uh, pitching to do, to begin with. Um, that said, like if it were a TV show or a limited series, it would make a lot of sense to spend you know different a um, different amount of time, especially now with the way that TV is being done, like where you don't have to rush, rush, rush all the time. You know, or especially for GOT, like, you know what I mean? You're like, you're like, you're like we're going to just hang out here and talk about stuff for a while. And then we're going to fight for a whole episode. Like, you, you know, like you can, you can switch up the rhythm a lot. Right. Take those breaths. Yeah. Why don't we just talk about what else you guys are up to lately? Um, projects you're working on now? Anything else that's coming through the pipeline? Are you guys working to planning anything else together? I or want to work with these people. That's what yeah, I figured. had it with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm working on a new novel um, called Zombie Manzanar. Oh <laughs> Are you really? I am actually. <laughs> where uh, this Whoa. whole idea around there's a zombie apocalypse around um, the incarceration, but it turns out that it's actually good for Japanese Americans because we're in the desert. Right? Oh. Uh, I don't know, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be well, and, and part of part of what I'm doing. So that's the reaction actually. I'm gonna get, get a lot of, but but part of what I'm doing is being able to try to explore like the incarceration mm-hmm. with a new audience and talking about all the stuff that you know about like what it feels like to lose your home and right. like all the you know incarceration and never that, but within a context of a zombie apocalypse. That's how we have to get to people now, though, right? Yeah. Just oh, you like zombies? Well, let me tell you this: story. you like comic books, uh-huh. right? Like. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So. The genre is like the tool. It, like it's the thing that kicks the door open, right. and you're like, "Oh, there's a bunch of social justice in here." Yeah, <laughs> hang on a second. <laughs> you guys tricked me, yeah. but now I care about your characters. <laughs> but I'm definitely gonna hate mail for it. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I have another graphic novel coming out soon called um, Santa vs. Zombies. I saw that on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, for the printing part. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And that's about Santa fighting zombies. I mean, you know. <laughs> and, and we're shooting a film later this year, sometime in the mid, sometime fall. Cool. Oh, nice. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, I'm developing just a bunch of projects in the TV space. Cool. Um, one of them is uh, internment or incarceration, depending on the word you want to use. Um, related, it's sort of a Romeo and Juliet story um, uh, that starts then, but really lives now. And it's a weirdly about, um, kind of about reincarnation a little bit. It, it's a weird story, um, and that's that's one of the things I'm working on. The other thing is I have a play that's okay. just coming up. I, I'm always doing a play because I'm a playwright originally. Right. Is this at your theater? No. Yes, okay. theater of notes. The theater of notes doing a play of mine. It's it opens on the 16th. I think it runs for five weeks. Okay. It's all weekends. And stuff. Where is that theater? It's in it's it's in the middle of Hollywood. Um, okay. It's right off of uh, Sunset. It's on Cahuenga, right off of Sunset um, near Amoeba. Oh, um, great. If you're, if you're ever over yeah. there. And near um, what, according to Vice Magazine, 
is the worst restaurant in the entire world. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. restaurant yeah. Which is, is that? The Jack in the Box on Cahuenga and Sunset. They're like, it's, and I and I, I know I've been, from, I've been there. I know from going in and out of there you know, over the last you know fifteen or so years that it is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the food. It's, it's not the food. Yeah, it's no the it's crowd. The, it's the it's like the center of like just insanity the over armpit. there. Yeah, it's interesting oh, it's just though. Hollywood is. Hollywood's crazy, but that area actually has really, you know, ticked up as far as like coolness factor. There's a lot of neat stuff around there, and yeah. it's quite expensive. But um, yeah, so Jack in the Box remains like, Jack in the Box remains Jack in the Box. Yeah, a black hole. Yeah. Yes. Every time I go there, there's some like just metaphor for yeah like, uh, Hollywood for, darkness happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or America. Like, the last time I saw I went there, there was like just a trash fire in the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. A literal dumpster yeah. fire. Yes. It's America in decline in the form of a fast food joint that makes hamburgers and tacos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a play. <laughs> it is a play. Rob, any, any oh, upcoming projects? Or? Um, yeah, other than just drawing and painting every yeah. day. I, I actually, like, when this started, I was in the middle of putting together a story about kind of my family oh. and... Like just kind of a Japanese American. Way to ruin that, guys. History. Yeah, <laughs> it did kind of uh, sidetrack things. Sorry. Yeah, it's um, this whole subject is really emotionally draining <laughs> oh, yeah. for me. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm, I put that aside, but I think I might get back into it. That's right. Pretty soon, and then I mean, I think you guys have seen a few of the panels like that I do in yeah. the presentation. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's from it, and. Uh, draw paint make art yeah and, and you're, have a solo show at giant robot in september oh that's great excellent giant robot 2 uh, yes, GR2. i saw you had a show and it said one thing i noted was it says angry japanese american oh, yeah. art <laughs> angry and japanese i was wondering what that was about <laughs> real quick uh like uh my friend patrick his name is patrick takashi shiroshi <laughs> and he made a an album i think he he recorded it all in one session. Um, it was two days after the election mm. of Trump, and it's all kind of like this angry uh, solo sax scream album. Wow. And uh, he, he thinks his anger like solo sax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now I have to hear this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. a great musician. Uh-huh. And yeah, it sounds like a, like kind of. A howling screed against. Wow, gotcha. <laughs> so that was the angry, or he, then you he did asked art. Asked me to make uh, the album cover, and I just, um, he said, just do whatever this you know music makes you feel like, and then I made all of these thumbnail uh, panels of like what maybe the cover was, but it it built into this like huge page of just this kind of fury and rage filled and like. I don't know pictures of what I would consider like isolation or just super emotional. Is that images. is that the same thing as on the T-shirt or is yeah? It, okay. Oh, cool. I love the T-shirt. Yeah, it's a good T-shirt. It's like I don't know. I can send you an image of that. Yeah, that'd be great. Should we say where we could get the book from? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a, on a side story, real quick. The um, yeah, yeah. So it originally came out Stella, and then um, I, I we got a grant up from the California um, Civil Liberties oh, right. Foundation to be able to print it up. So we got copies printed. Because some people just didn't want to buy the app and read it, so now we have a physical copy. And as part of that grant, um, so you can buy that on four four two dash graphic dash novel dot com, which is a terrible title, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, how that. Happen? Or you can do Amazon. <laughs> yeah, that's me. But, or Amazon. You go on Amazon, buy it as well. Um, but um, if you're a teacher 
educator, museum, or library, or school, you could get free copies of 442 um, that we'll sh send to you for no cost. Oh, so you, all you have to do is just go to our website, a lot of farm, and I personally will be sending you the copies. So it's sad that this story is hardly in, if probably not in any history books that kids get right. Yeah. And that's why the grant, we wanted to be able to get yeah. it to libraries yeah. and schools. And I mean, the, the camps aren't in the books. Yeah. Much right? less of this Crazy. part of the yeah, story. I, would, I grew up maybe a little, like, I was shielded from it not being there because of, like, being from Sacramento, my grandfather was part of this program that, like, taught this in school. So it was required in Sacramento area schools mm. to be taught this. And I just thought everybody knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least had a, you know, and then, you know, like, I'd meet, like, you know, college-educated folks from around the country they're like what i've never heard of it what are you talking about yeah i feel like it's more widely known now strangely yeah yeah but but still uh, not totally but still not known yet. and not known with any real well, people depth. from other countries know about it more than is that right it seems like you know because they're like you're bad also yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they wanted to tell you yeah. the polish people were like no 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 you're also bad yeah <laughs> my grandpa always brought up that it's uh, it made him mad that saddam hussein brought it up in the first iraq war that he's like well look what you did to the japanese americans he's like see even he knows yeah wow. <laughs> yeah yeah sad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i will say this this is what i love about at least you know Japanese culture, Japanese American culture, there are these dark, sad stories, but there is hope and light and positive stories that come out of it too. I mean, how many of our grandparents met there, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's surprising how they made the best out of something that, awful. That, that defines yeah. the Japanese American culture, yeah. making yeah. the best of a bad situation, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And I think you capture that in this book absolutely cool so, thank you yeah thank you guys thank yeah, you thank you yeah. uh, thanks for listening Yellow Parallers don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts iHeartRadio Stitcher SoundCloud and anywhere you find your other favorite podcasts let us know what you think leave your comments or questions in a voicemail at 650-YELLOW-7 that's 650-935-5097 or email us at yellowperilpod at gmail.com if you have an event or project you'd like us to feature in Fresh Yellow, please feel free to contact us. We're always happy to help spread the word. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to, subscribe to us on YouTube to watch the latest episodes soon after the podcast drops. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, consider following us, leaving us a review, and supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yellowperilpod. Before we go to end the show, it's our karaoke closer. We'll meet again. You know what I'm talking about? That's a great song. Uh, do you know the song? Uh, not that much of it. Okay. How much do we need to know? Like one. Oh, yeah, like we'll five. Meet again. Don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again for some sunny day. Yes. <laughs> That's it. All right. <laughs> I'll take it. I didn't have to sing it all. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you.